You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Excited to get back to some of our originally scheduled episodes, if you will, connecting with alums across the country. Excited to be joined by 2018 Maryland fellow, Roxana Wise is here. Excited to hear what she's up to on the East Coast and some of the things she's working on. So let's get to it. Roxanne, I'm always interested when I chat with folks who were in NLC statewide chapters. Uh, obviously, here being in LA, we're kind of off on our own in Southern California. But statewide, uh, how was that split within the fellows themselves? Were there folks from Baltimore mostly, or was it really pretty evenly distributed across the state? Well, it was a hodgepodge of different geographical areas of Maryland. So I-95, the interstate, it cuts through the state of Maryland. You had folks from Baltimore City, then folks who lived closer to D.C., so Prince George's County, Montgomery County, just all around that I-95 corridor. But we are open to everyone in Maryland. It just gets a little bit more challenging for folks who are either in the eastern shore of Maryland or the western part of Maryland. And then being a fellow in 2018, that was obviously prime time for all the interesting things happening in the country. Did you see any particular issues that seemed to get talked about more often amongst the fellows? Did they come in with any uh, uh, things they wanted to for sure hit? Or was it a pretty wide variety of reasons why people were there? So I would say it was a vi- wide variety of reasons. There were a number of fellows who were actually in the midst of running their own campaigns for the Democratic Central Committee. But then the other half, folks from science backgrounds, criminal justice backgrounds, education backgrounds, it ran the gamut. So it was a great mix to just hear from people's different perspectives and how they came to be progressives and part of the NLC network. And then for for the coastal elite crowd out here on the West Coast, what do people usually misunderstand about Maryland or misunderstand about certain cities in that part of the country? Maryland is not Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) So many people think, oh, Maryland, yes, Baltimore City. Oh, they either think of The Wire or they think of Ravens. Great Ravens is a great football team and The Wire is a good show, but there's so much more to Maryland. We have beaches, we have mountains, we have a lot of policy wonks who live in the suburbs of D.C., uh, just Maryland is which with geographical diversity as well as career diversity. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. Well, listen, I was excited to have you on because you know we were connected through someone at NLC who mentioned you were in the speakers bureau, and that's something uh, I don't know too much about. Of but I've always been curious. Can you maybe explain what's the short version of what a speakers bureau is? Sure. So the speakers bureau. It's an opportunity for NLC fellows or alums to be able to hone their, let's say, personal brand or public persona, either through writing or through having opportunities to talk on media, whether it's televised media or electronic media. And so with the Speakers Bureau, I believe there's about 30 of us. I think I'm part of the last cohort that was recruited we went through a training to get the rundown of being able to know what our own personal brand is and how to effectively communicate that whenever we have opportunities to go on media, whether locally, nationally, or statewide. So in those trainings, what do they advise for you to avoid doing? What are some of the traps that people fall into? Let's see. So... 
This training that I attended was focused on the televised media form. So we learned about posture, making eye contact, and being able to provide concise messages. So I remember we went through this five strategy document where we were to focus on our conclusion message, our story, our argument, and then wrapping it up with the overarching conclusion message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be curious on your take when you see of the recent wave of folks who were elected in the midterms in November, someone like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez or even folks who weren't elected like Beto, who have such compelling social media presences now and, and folks are hanging on their every word, their Twitter followers and IG followers seem to, to grow week to week. When you, you think about what they're doing in terms of uh, speaking and building a brand, what do you feel like is resonating so much with people? So from my own perspective, I think the personable aspect of it. So if you compare to what's going, what went down in 2018 and the way political candidates were able to build their brands decades or even five years ago, candidates now, they are, or from what it, what was popular in 2018, mm-hmm. they're making it so that folks can say, you know what, this is a person I can resonate. They're not part of the, how should I put this? They're, they're not part of the old guard, but instead they're bringing new change, fresh ideas, and they're talking about things in such a candid and poignant way where it's not just talking the talk, but we can actually see folks walking that walk as well. So I think that's what has been noticeably different from 2018's political thing compared to years past. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think for me, it'll be curious to see you know, as folks pick up on the success that they've had, uh, how many people are going to try to replicate that and how many are going to do that successfully and how many people are really going to look inauthentic, trying to be authentic. Uh, you, you know, I'm sure there's some folks who are getting told by their political consultants, you got to be more sincere, you got to be more authentic. But just the mere fact that they're being told to do that sort of undercuts the ability for them to do so. So it'd be interesting to see where that where that goes, because I think, yeah, so much of, of what resonates with with people is, is there's just not any extra there. There's just, that's what they feel. That's what they believe. They talk like a normal human being. They're um, being genuine. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, and also it'll be interesting to see how the new, the new candidates that want to run in 2020 or the other electional years, how they'll add on to what's already been built mm. from last year. Yeah. And then when you think about communicating a message, like how much, difference in style of delivery do you feel like exists between the mediums now? So when you think about TV, how different does it look or sound compared to if you're delivering a message on a forum like this one with a podcast or if you're delivering it on a Facebook Live or you're tweeting? Like, Is it really ultimately the same thing or do you really see folks needing to, to break down with a lot of detail exactly how they're d- delivering uh, a given uh, speech or topic based on the platform that they're on? So it depends on the medium that they're arm, excuse me, the medium that they are a part of. Let's, so I'm going to use experiences from my past. I used to be a prosecutor in Maryland and I had opportunities to go on media to talk about this truancy prevention program. And when I was on TV platforms, 
it was short and concise statements. It was getting to the point because the audience members, they're looking to other news as well. They're absorbing so much content in a short amount of time. So that was something that stuck out. And then compared to, let's say, social media platforms or even something like this, where it's a podcast, you don't have that added pressure of a camera looking at you. You don't have that added pressure of folks saying, okay, this is how you should sit or this is how you should postulate. This is what you need to do. It's a bit more casual, like meeting for coffee. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) When we come back on this episode of The Zag, we'll talk a little bit more about Roxana's criminal justice background. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. All right. We're talking to Roxana Wise, 2018 Maryland NLC fellow. Yeah. You mentioned your criminal justice background and the truancy program you worked with. You know, I I used to teach fourth grade for many years uh, in Compton and still work in schools and still work in in education. And and truancy is definitely a real challenge and it makes a, a huge difference when you can get kiddos back into class and back into the system and engaging with the, the, the public school system in a meaningful way. What kind of things did you see be most successful in that, that time you were really concentrating on trying to solve that problem? Oh, for sure. So this truancy prevention program, it was a unique program in that it was sitting in a prosecutor's office, but we worked closely with our school system counterparts. So working with teachers, people, personnel, workers, administrators, school counselors, and with the families and the child to identify the root causes of truancy. And so what was successful was getting the buy-in from the child and also from the parents. When they bought in, apart from the buy-in from the schools we were working with, and this was a middle school-focused program, so grades six through eight, after developing that buy-in over time, there was so much success with just trying to get the child and family to open up to figure out, well, what is causing this chronic truancy? What is this roadblock? And how can we help you so that we won't have to prosecute you? It's all about getting children in school and families out of court. And what kind of ways would you approach um, once students were were on a track that was less likely to include truancy and that you saw some stabilization? What ways did you try to mitigate uh, some of the variables that we know could get kids off track pretty quickly because maybe the safety net is thinner than we would like or that there's just certain challenges that are always going to be present school year to school year. How do you navigate trying to make sure that doesn't happen year after year? So what that program did, the pupil personnel worker, and for folks who aren't as familiar with what a pupil personnel worker is, th- this person, they're tasked with not only being an attendance monitor, but being very connected to the community. So identifying resources to connect to the child and to the family, resources that aren't just short term, but depending on the family and the child's need, making sure that even after the program has ended, that child and that family can still continue on with the services. And part of the program is building a network within the school. So once the team, the truancy prevention program team left, there were still folks in school that can not only see and recognize the child, but let that child and let that family know that they are there. They haven't just forgotten about them, even as the child progresses on or matriculates on. Yeah. Hey, uh, last thing, since we're in January of 2019, this is a time folks tend to make resolutions or intentions or refocusing on, on certain aspects of their life. Is there 
anything in particular that you're concentrating on for, for 2019, either personally or things that you're keeping your eye on professionally that you would want folks to follow as well? Oh, for sure. So I have a number of different goals, but to pick one that sticks out in particular, I want to be able to do more philanthropy work. So I sit on a couple of boards that are local, my alma mater's board, a local nonprofit called the Central American Resource Center, and then a juvenile justice board. What I'm trying to do is really elevate the mission for what these different boards do, get more people involved, especially since people always say, oh, you know, I want to help. I don't know what to do. I want to be able to not only hold events, but just get more visibility for these different boards so that folks can be better connected and ultimately people can be better served. Love it. Well, listen, thanks for coming on this episode of The Zag and thanks for everyone for listening. You can catch all past episodes at the usual spots you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Make sure to check out all episodes with amazing alums. There's over 113 episodes there. And also as a bonus, we released 20 short and sweet five-minute episodes featuring our 2019 NLC LA fellows. Those are all up now, so meet that new class. They started this weekend. We had a great time with them. Really an amazing group, so check it out. And until next time, take care.